Welcome to You Are Not Alone, a recovery podcast. My name is Matt Jay, and on this show, we're here to share our experience, strength, and hope recovering from addiction. Now, we don't speak for any 12-step group, but we do try to remain anonymous, and this is the first episode. And if you think you might have a problem with alcohol or any other type of substance, well, you've come to the right place. If you're sober, you just want to hear other people talk about their sobriety, you are in the right place. And I'm an alcoholic. I've been sober since March 21st, 2014, two days after my youngest was born. And I'm going to tell you a little about me. I did a fan show of another podcast for the last two years. We were pretty successful. We were making money. We were making more money than I uh, was spending out. And some things happened on that podcast that made me feel it was time to stand on my own two feet and do something that will impact the community really in a positive way. I didn't want to be tied to just being a fan show. And if the other podcast went one way or if the host got pissed off at me, I didn't want that to drive whether the show was going to be successful or not. So if I branch out on my own and do my own podcast, I might have nobody listening. Maybe I do, maybe I don't, but I know that I'm going to land on my own two feet. And, and I also wanted to fit the need that wasn't being met around recovery and addiction. Places like uh, how to get sober and alcoholics effect on the family. When I was first starting out, I started listening to Recovered with Mark S. And if you're listening to this and you think you might have a problem, go listen to Mark's podcast, Recovered. It is fantastic. He's done like 1,500 episodes. And he's an inspiration for me. When I first got sober, this was one of the things that kept me sober because I was learning a lot between meetings. I needed anything that I could do. But when I was listening, I looked for other podcasts about recovery because, you know, Mark's podcast came out once a week. I wanted more. And there really wasn't much out there. So being a podcaster, having all this equipment, having the skill, I figured, why don't I just dip my toe into this and see if we can help the community get some of my friends involved and share our stories. You know, with, with COVID and social distancing, now I'm, I'm going to preface, you've got the, the AA logo sort of that's on the cover art for this podcast. And the reason I did that is that logo, the, the circle and the triangle is a pretty well-known recovery icon. So I want people scanning through to see that. By no means do I think that Alcoholics Anonymous or any 12-step program has all the answers. Whatever you are doing to get sober and stay sober and be happy. So that's the thing. I don't want you to be dry. I want you to be sober, happy with your family, being productive, all that stuff. That's good. This is not an AA-sponsored podcast. But it's very easy, to, if you think you have a problem, to get up, to look at a schedule book or, or just go online and see what what meeting is out there? What is out there for me where I can try and get sober and see? Maybe I have a problem. Maybe I don't. Maybe I can check it out. Maybe I can see what some guys and girls are talking about and see if I can identify. It's easy for therapists to say, go to a meeting. Here's a meeting that you should go to. Maybe you should try five. Maybe you should try 10. But there are very few in-person meetings right now as I record this in November of 2020. I go to one and we take a lot of precautions. 
most meetings, if they are still meeting, are being done on Zoom. And there are issues with Zoom. I get bored on Zoom. My mind starts to drift on other things. But you also kind of have to be comfortable, and I'm going to show myself on camera. And and, and that's a great thing if, if I know everybody there. But if I was a newbie and I was thinking, I got a problem. I got to do something about this. And you're expecting me to go on a Zoom meeting that I don't know if somebody's recording or if I know somebody or what if I put my name in? I might think twice about that. So thinking about that, maybe putting a meeting in your pocket in podcast form could be something that really could be helpful. You know, back in the 30s and 40s, when the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous came out, there were no meetings. People just put the book in the mail and they sent them along and enough people in one area got the book together and they would start meetings. I don't see what we're doing here in a podcast form as any different than that. Book is just a technology. Podcast is just technology. And I'm saying that because... Doing a podcast and having people on that I know are sober is something that could be looked at as, well, you're breaking anonymity. Shouldn't have people on, shouldn't use their names, even if they just use their first names. You're breaking anonymity, this could cause problems. And I don't think that that's an issue, but it is going to be controversial in some circles. So I wanted to address that. I think that in recovery, we should do a lot more than pamphlets and more than, than schedule books and stuff, because there are people who are under 40 are never going to look at a pamphlet. They go to YouTube, they listen to podcasts, they do streaming, and we have to be out front with that, especially if we can do it in a way that's really interesting. So I'm going to start out with a lot of people that I admire in sobriety. These are the people I look up to. So I look now and say six years sober. Back when I came to my first meeting, if I saw somebody who was six months sober, I would say that that is a lifetime. And now with six years sober, I say I am still a brand new person. So I want to I want to get those people are these are the guys I admire. I want to share their stories. Maybe you can identify with something that they're doing. And I also want you to find that getting sober doesn't mean that life's now a bore. It's actually a lot of fun. I'm actually a lot better in social situations because of being in a 12-step program and getting to know a group of people that feels like it's the United Nations of people. So I want to touch on that, touch on topics like what's a Joe and Charlie? Who's Joe? Who's Charlie? What are they? Why are they important? What is an AA meeting like? What's it like going to your first meeting? How do you really know if you have a problem? That type of stuff. And I think it's something that really can help people. So before we go in and get my friends on here and talk about topics and stuff, I think this is the time of the podcast that we turn around and you listen to my bona fides. And how did I know I had a problem? How do I identify as an alcoholic? So that type of stuff. So I had a lifelong battle of never wanting to cross the line of alcoholism. So stop right there. Whenever you're in that case of, I want to be able to drink in a way, but I have to be careful on each sip 
because there is a designated amount of sips that you have that if you go over that designated amount of sips, you're going to go into alcoholism. You already have an alcoholic mind. But to me, this was something that was incredibly important to me. My father was an alcoholic. He would drink, and I think he still does, drink one of those big jugs of uh, E&J, the Gallo wines, those things. He'd drink a whole jug a day. Uh, that, That probably would qualify. My stepfather, I look at as having alcoholism. My mother had troubling, a troubling relationship with alcohol. I have an uncle who's an alcoholic, just the whole family, just seeing the relationship with alcohol was always uncomfortable being around. And especially my father who abused my mom and my stepfather who was verbally abusive to my mom. I didn't want to be like those people. I could not cross over into being an alcoholic. I don't want to be like them because to me, it feels like that means I'm beating up, I'm beating up on women. I'm being abusive. Um, and even thought earlier on, I'm, I'm going to make a pledge to myself. I am never going to drink. And that's the thing that's going to get me to not be an alcoholic. So the first time I ended up, of course I ended up drinking and became an alcoholic. And I remember, I think it was 16 is the first time I had alcohol. Somebody went out and bought forties of Budweiser and I drank because I don't know what happened, but my mom pissed me off about something, said, I can't do this or that. And I just remember being so angry as a teenager, angry, unhappy, depressed, and it was just bubbling out. And I had a mom who was really tight and controlling and, and a single mom who didn't know what to do with me. So she did something to piss me off. And I'm like, that's it. Damn it. I'm going to give my five bucks or whatever it was for a 40 and I'm, I'm going to get drunk tonight. And I remember drinking this 40 and not knowing what I was looking for. Almost like, you know, you've got one of those old toilets and you have to jiggle it just the right way to get it to work. But once you find that groove, you can do it one time, sort of that muscle memory. And I remember that once I did actually find that path, I think at that point I was an alcoholic. I remember not really being able to figure out whether I was drunk or not with that. But I'm, I'm a perfectionist, so I practiced enough and I figured out how to get drunk. Um, and I remember just being a teenager and saying, why the hell would anybody want to have one beer? What would be the point of that? And being a teenager, I didn't have ready access to alcohol. So once I started drinking, even if it was a couple of times and if it was like months between when I could get booze, it's all I thought of. It was like almost like I had withdraw at that point of like, I just can't wait. Don't know when it's going to be, but I just can't wait to get drunk again. Uh, College was different. College, I went to college in New Rochelle. And at the time, you could get into any of the bars around there with a college ID, which you might you might think, oh my God, that how was that legal? Well, it wasn't legal, and a bunch of teenagers ended up killing themselves in DUIs, so it's not possible anymore. But alcohol was something that was very easy to get, and by very nature, I'm an introvert. I'm quiet. I'm shy. And at that point, I'm 
I'm a country bumpkin from Western Massachusetts who's going into New Rochelle, which isn't the big city, but for me, it might as well have been. Um, scared to talk to girls, scared of rejection. So booze was kind of a good thing. I learned uh, Red Devil tasted good. Uh, Rumplemans tasted good. And I ended up getting a taste for beer and found alcohol. And I had a buddy there. And it was something I could do while I was nervous. I could at least hold a beer in my hand. And when we ended up getting an apartment, so, so booze was still, we had to go out to get drunk in college because I lived in the dorms. But when we got an apartment, then I could buy my own booze. And again, it was really easy. You, you, learn, you learn as an alcoholic that you can do some things as long as you have enough confidence. So if you go in to uh, a beer distributor and you look nervous and you, and you go in with a, a case of whatever you got, yeah, they're going to have a problem. But if you walk in like I'm 25, I'm not 18, and you walk in and you put it down like you know what you're doing, you put your money out, look the guy right in the eye, they're not going to question you. And that's when I learned that, well, I could drink alone at home. If I'm not going out, uh, I equate drinking to being social and I can be social by myself. So I learned to start drinking by myself and get loaded and, and going to bed. Um, and I did that through age 38. There were times where I had months. I, the longest I had was about 10 months where I decided I got to stop drinking. But I never made that step towards saying I have a problem. Because if I admitted I had a problem, then if I slipped up, then you could point your finger at me and say you're an alcoholic. I never got a DUI. I never lost a job. I didn't drink every night. Uh, when I drank, I was careful, especially if it was in public. I would drink a beer, two beers. I could do that. Now, stopping was as painful as wearing a wool sweater inside your body. It just felt like every... Every nerve ending was on fire when I did that. But you had to stop because somebody would say, you have a problem. And I did not want to be somebody who had a problem because I would, like, I would be like my father. So I got into wine. I could tell you the alcohol content in Red Zinfandel, what Cote de Rhone was, the fact that it was a... Sh Syrah mix. I knew that Syrah and Shiraz were the same thing. It's just one was in Australia, one was in French. I even invested in these wine glasses. I don't know if you know this, but there are special wine glasses for Chardonnay. Special wine glass, not only special wine glasses for red versus white, special wine glasses for Cabernet, for Shiraz, for uh, Burgundy for Pinot Noir. That's 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 Burgundy, but e like Zinfandel, each one because it would deposit the wine on the proper place on your tongue. I even got a subscription to Wine Spectator, which was it was expensive, but I learned a lot about culture. I learned about the great controversy of cork versus screw tops and which ones were better. So I learned a lot about cheese and wine and all of that stuff. Restaurants. So I wasn't a drunk. You see, if you have a Wine Spectator subscription and you have proper glasses, 
you're a connoisseur, my friend. You are not an alcoholic. Now, I would polish off a whole bottle of wine, but why was that a problem when it only had like three or four glasses in there? Um, I only drank good beer. You know why I only drank good beer? I drank, um, oh, it's been so long, I forget, the Blue Moon. I drank that because if I drank Coors Light, I would have to drink too much. It just went down too fast. So everything I was drinking was as a speed bump because I didn't want to have a problem. Um, man, I had guilt over stop. It, it, was, it was a nightmare. If there was alcohol being served, I would have an internal debate. Should I have alcohol? Should I drink? Because if I drank, I would want more. What if I make a fool of myself? Which I made a fool of myself a bunch of times. And there was this whole internal debate around what should I do? You know, to make sure I never crossed the line, I used to take those online alcoholic tests. No matter how hard I tried to game the system, I failed them every single time. I, I tried to expand out the definition of what the question was, and I would fail them. And my takeaway was a lot of times, not that I had a problem, but the threshold that American society now thought an alcoholic was, was just ridiculous. Uh, the people I hung out with drank a lot more than me. So why do I have a problem? Now, anybody who goes in and says, gee, I might have a problem. Maybe I should take an online test. The very fact that you're doing that probably says you have a problem. I don't know a lot of people who have like one glass of wine twice a year who go in and try and take those tests. Uh, the, the 10 months in 2001 and 2002, I stopped drinking. I talked about that a little bit more, but I didn't go and do anything. And I didn't think that my whole life had to change. Um, yeah, I didn't have, I really didn't have an idea that I was going to end up in a 12 step group, uh, talked to a therapist and I was terrified. I, I was watching Switched at Birth, which was on ABC Family, and one of the characters in Switched to Birth was a recovering alcoholic, and she went to go take a drink for the first time, and, and the emotions on her face were around, I'm doing the wrong thing, I shouldn't do this, I shouldn't do this, and as soon as the wine hit her lips, everything changed. It was like, ah, the, the emotion there just totally changed, and I looked at that, and I'm like, oh my God, I can relate and identify with everything going on there in this fictional show. And right then and there, after all these times of looking and saying, do you have a problem? Do you not have a problem? You have a problem? Should I not drink this? Should I drink more? Should I not drink more? I looked at that and said, I got a problem. And if I'm going to lick this, alcohol is really the least of my concerns right now. Alcohol is a problem but it's really a symptom of everything else. Everything's got to change. And at that point, again, all of the, the nerves in my body went nuts and saying, you got to drink. And I realized, okay, I got to stop drinking. And it was hard. It was hard to not drink anymore. And I went a few weeks and I didn't tell anyone about it. And I told my therapist, which was hard. I didn't want to do that because again, if I say this out loud, then somebody might say I have a problem. Also, I felt silly that I'm overthinking this. I don't have a problem and I'm just going to get laughed at. 
He didn't laugh at me. He didn't say yes. He didn't say no. What he said was, have you thought about going to a meeting? And I said, why would I go to a meeting? What type of meeting? Well, hey, hey. Well, why would I go to a meeting? So I'm thinking that a meeting is you go down to a basement. There's an incandescent light bulb just kind of swinging around with the only light there. And there's a bunch of guys with beards who are unshaven, unkempt in trench coats where they have reached the end of the line. And this is the only thing that's holding them to society. That seemed like something that I would not ever want to be a part. And he goes, well, why don't you just check it out? It's going to be uncomfortable the first five or 10 times that you go. All right, that, that's a real winner. That's a real thing that, that makes me want to go. But I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it. Uh, I had to have a conversation with my wife around it. And because nobody told me to go to a meeting, it's like I had to convince others. And luckily she said, you know, you never had a chance. With the way you grew up, you had no chance. I understand why this would have happened. So you got my support. Long story short, later on, she's like, you're going to keep going to these meetings like forever? Aren't you going to graduate? No, no, that's not going to happen. But that's, that's for another show. That's another topic for another show of how do you allow your family members to go to meetings several times a week, every week for the rest of your life. Um, and I started to go to meetings. I went to a beginner meeting, which in hindsight probably wasn't as bad, but I walked in there and it felt like uh, I had walked into the rubber room. I saw things and I'm like, this is crazy. I don't know if I belong here. And then I found a men's meeting a few days later, and that's where the name of this this podcast comes from. And the guy talked about, he was an old timer, and he talked about the way I drank. And from there, I'm like, yeah, I belong. These people drank the way I did. And at least there were, there were people who drank more, but I found something to finally identify with that I could hear. And I liked being there and made friends. I now have a place that I could go uh, if I'm not feeling good, well, before COVID, anywhere. And I've got a bunch of people around me who are, I look at as my heroes. They're they're far better at this in, in sobriety than I feel like I could ever be. I've got friends of all age groups, all colors, all persuasions. It's like, it's like the United Nations in a meeting. And what's really cool about meetings are they're fun. We ball bust before the meetings. Uh, we help each other. Uh, we find people who, you know, I can't, I can't do anything with my hands. I'm, I'm terrible. Uh, I know guys that have taught me like woodworking and, and how to, how to fix something electrical and that type of stuff, practical things I've learned. Just people that I can call and say, I'm having a bad day and they listen. Nobody judges you, which is, which is fantastic. So I didn't want to tell you a whole drunkalogue, but I didn't want to go long with all the things that I have learned. So I've learned a lot. I've done some service work. Um, I've helped other people and, and I'm not perfect. And I'm hoping to teach you a little bit more about what my experience is and hear from other people. So I just want to do in digital form what the big books book of Alcoholics Anonymous does at the end of the book where it chronicles people's stories. I want to record some of these stories for posterity because if you know anything about an AA meeting, what type of person, well, obviously other than an alcoholic, what type of person's there? Old people, people who have been sober 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And, you know, the grumpy old timer, 
is a lot of times the person I learn the most from. The grumpy old timers aren't going to be around forever. And instead of just saying, uh, oh, remember when Dick used to come here and he used to do this, this, and this? Well, maybe we can hear from Dick 10, 20 years in the future and hear that wisdom. And I want to hear from brand new people. I find that the thing that helps me now is not the old timer, but the person who comes in with four months of sobriety and is doing it now during COVID. Like, how the hell do you do that now? And if it helps me, it probably is going to help you. Now, it's great if it helps you. I'm really doing this to get really better immersed back into recovery. So if we have 10 people listening to this, that's going to be fantastic. But trust me, I'm doing this for me because I want to have better sobriety. And if you all come along and you get healthy too, uh, that's fantastic. So if you're thinking... Maybe I drink too much. Maybe my use of drugs is too much. You have a place to come and listen and listen to our stories. Maybe you can identify with something, not everything, but identify with a feeling and that can help you make a decision or a next step. So I'm glad you joined me and you are not alone, a recovery podcast. I'd love it if you could subscribe, download, give a review, let a friend know. You can reach us on Twitter at the letter U, the letter R, not alone pod. You can find me on Twitter as well, at real Matt J underscore. And we're going to have an Instagram account. I'm going to revamp a website that I already have. We're going to do a lot of good things, and I think you're going to enjoy the drive. So until I see you next time, I'll see you really soon. Bye, everyone. You made it this far into the podcast. That tells me... You're a pretty big fan. If you like what we do and you find value in the podcast, consider a donation at buymeacoffee.com backslash soberfriendspod. Your donation keeps us on the air to help out the new guy and helps us defray some of our costs. If you find value in our podcast, please consider a donation at buymeacoffee.com slash soberfriendspod.